All right, I think uh, people will probably still be trickling in. I know a lot of people are actually doing fantastic stuff, helping out with Sunday School other places, but we'll get started and we'll see who else might be joining us. Uh, would you please join with me in prayer as we begin? Father, uh, we uh, remember uh, together that, uh, that this church is not our church, it's yours, and our desire is that Jesus would be the one who's at the helm, that in every way we are just following our leader as he shows us where to go. Um, and so would you please yeah, continue to be guiding us? We pray even now in this conversation that as we're talking about kind of what our hopes and desires as we're moving forward are, that you would uh, use this time that it would be helpful to us as a church and be honoring to you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, normally I do PowerPoint, but this time I'm not because apparently the new screens are like so finicky that you need like a special computer and a special program to use it. So we're going, I guess it's not old school, but older school by doing a handout. Um, so uh, what I, uh, just to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to do, I want to start by kind of talking about the stuff that we normally would talk about at the fall congregational meeting, where we talk about kind of where we're at as a church, where we're seeking to go, and talking about some of the, the, the focuses for this year, or foci for this year. But then, of course, there's also an important conversation that maybe some of you have some questions about, hey, what's going to happen with Brent stepping down at the end of October? So that's going to be like the tail end. So don't worry, we're, we're definitely going to cover that, but I'm just kind of letting you know kind of what we'll be doing. Um, I wanted to start with um, uh, kind of an excerpt from Isaiah 62. This is something that kind of captivated me at the beginning of this year. I've been thinking about really ever since. And I think you probably can actually see its influence even in, in the way I've been speaking about things and preaching. So, so again, book of Isaiah, this is now at the very end of it, 66 chapters, so it's getting to the very end. Um, and here's what Isaiah says. He says, I will not keep silent because of Zion, and I will not keep still because of Jerusalem, until her righteousness shines like a bright light and her salvation like a flaming torch. Nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be a glorious crown in the Lord's hand and a royal diadem in the palm of your God's hand. Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen on your walls. They will never be silent day or night. There is no rest for you who remind the Lord. Do not give him rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem the praise of the earth. And I think I've already said that, I, as I understand it, Jerusalem and Zion, from a New Testament perspective, are now the people of God, in other words, the church. Um, and, and what I think this is, I mean, this, this idea, do not give God rest. Keep praying, keep longing, keep seeking. You know, at the very beginning, I will not keep silent because of Zion. We should be hungering and thirsting that he makes his church beautiful. I mean, I will not keep still because of Jerusalem until her righteousness shines like a bright light and her salvation like a flaming torch. Nations will see your righteousness. That, that's my prayer. I mean, I think it's an aspiration that we won't see fully, of course, until Christ returns, but I believe that's our calling, that as we seek to be repentant, as we pray asking God, please, your kingdom come, that, that God makes us more beautiful, not just so that we can be beautiful, but because we want to show the greatness of God to the world who needs to see him. Um, so, so you'll hear kind of like the focus of this year that I'll keep on bringing up is just kind of a, an encapsulation of that, to be a beautiful church for the good of the world. Um, 
That's our desire, that, that, as, that we would be a people who are so shaped by the gospel, so shaped by Jesus, that the way that we are towards each other, the way that we are in terms of our hope and praise towards God, the way that we are towards the way that we love the world around us shows Jesus in a way that speaks. Because just our words right now in a place where the church is just making things look miserable at times, our words are not enough. They need to see the difference that the gospel is making. So, so that's kind of like, you know, a lot of when we're going to be studying Isaiah, a big part of the reason for that is because I think that is what captivates the book of Isaiah. Um, so that's, that's what drives us. The thing that, you know, I'll be talking now more about kind of like the nitty-gritty of the details, but I want you to know what really is the focus is how can we be a church that is beautiful in a way that only can happen through the power of God, through Christ Jesus, so that we might bring hope and show the world around us the greatness of the gospel. So that's just kind of the big picture. Um, that's what drives me. That's what kind of keeps me having energy every week. So now let me tell you a little bit about the landscape that I think we're at right now. This is not going to be new. This is stuff that we've been talking about for a little while. Um, I, I say our current ch challenge is an awkward adolescence. Because um, I guess that's in some ways like redundant because what adolescence isn't, right? Um, so this is something that's just generally known to be true for a number of sociological reasons. Uh, when churches are growing beyond around 150 in attendance and approaching 200, they experience a sometimes awkward time of transition where the very way things are done needs to shift in order for the church to continue moving forward. This is sometimes referred to as the 200 barrier. If you've been here the last couple of years, you've heard me talk about it. Um, it's, you know, like... Churches can kind of generally grow in a natural way without having to shift things that as people come, it continues to just kind of, we welcome people in. But there's a certain point where the way things are done can't sustain the kind of growth. There has to be actually a fundamental shift. And if you try to just keep doing things the way they've always been done, it ends up kind of working into a level of frustration or whether it's people leave or people feeling frustrated because it doesn't work anymore. That's what's being talked about, about this 200 barrier. It's that adolescence where there actually has to be a shift in how church does things to be able to continue to move forward as they're trying to reach out to the world around them. Um, let, me, let me kind of give some examples of what I'm talking about. Um, when you are, like, so I don't know if you've ever read, I can't remember which book I read that talks about the 150 rule, that you really have only kind of the ability to know 150 people, and then after that your brain just can't do it anymore. Well, you actually feel that at a church level, that when it gets a little bit beyond that point, people just start saying, I don't know everyone, right? And, and like, it can almost be kind of like a growing pain. I, I miss, it felt so homey before, and now I don't know everyone. But it's actually a sign of something that's really good, right? It's, it's people coming in, it's people being able to experience the work, you know, like what's going on here. It's awesome, but it's a shift, and so when you can know everyone, things happen one way. Like, how do we find out how to get plugged in? How do you know what the bridge is? Well, word of mouth. I know Barb. I know Stu. That used to work. Now people, as they're coming news, like, what's the bridge? And, and so now we have to be intentional, right? H how do I get involved? And, well, you know, if you know the right person, they'll invite you to, you know, volunteer. Brent will know you and tell you to play guitar or whatever. That's the way that we do things. It's through knowing, through word of mouth. At a certain point, though, if you don't know everyone, then someone who's new doesn't have a clear, okay, how do I get plugged in? What, what doesn't, like, what are community groups? What are discipleship groups? There's all this inside knowledge that we know if we're on the inside that if we're not careful, people who join us won't know about, right? So this means finding volunteers is more challenging. You know, it used to be that the way that you would find volunteers is, I know this person. I'll ask them. They're my friend. 
Now, if we don't all know each other, if we only do it based on us knowing people, that means there's some people who won't be invited who would be fantastic, right? Um, integrating newcomers needs intentionality. Uh, it's easier for people to feel out of the loop in terms of communication. Um, it used to be, you know, like, it'd be, hey, it's a small enough group, people just kind of hear from each other. Now, if we just rely on people hearing from each other, then a lot of people will feel like they're on the outs. And that's absolutely not the way that we want to function. So that's one of the things. One of the related shifts is pastor's role needs to shift from being the hub to investing in leaders who become more central. In a smaller church, you know, like if you wanted, like, you know, if you did an org chart about answers to, every leader would basically be answers to the pastor, right? But at a certain point, when you've got like 17 different leaders, that stops working. And so what you end up having to have is a transition where it now becomes the, the team who is really the one who's kind of overseeing it rather than the pastor. And the pastor's kind of investing in the team and the team's investing in other leaders. It's a shift. Um, more attention needs to be given to structure to leader support. Um, one of the easiest ways of kind of thinking of it is when you need to move from organic to organized. Like organic, things just kind of happen naturally. We just kind of do it because that works when everyone knows each other. But if it doesn't, you need to actually have something that's organized, where there's clarity, where it's communicated well, where people understand the structures. So that's, that's, the, that's that awkwardness where a church that really liked the way it was doing things a certain way because it felt very family for it to make sure that it continues to feel like family to people and people don't just kind of feel like there's the inside group and the outside group, now it means, hey, we have to be thoughtful and intentional and start doing things differently. So, so that's, that's the, the stage, and it's a great challenge to have, but it is a little bit of an awkward one because we have to start kind of going, oh, I just assumed this is how we should do it, but we should actually be more thoughtful about it rather than just doing it the way we've always done it. So this is the reason you might remember two years ago uh, we began talking about Project 20. Uh, and we said the stated purpose would be us working together to navigate this adolescence and come to the other side of the 200 barrier by the end of 2020. Um, so I, I, I gave kind of a number saying that we want to kind of have a, like a weekly attendance of 220 by 2020. And the goal is not the number itself. The goal is the people. Like we're wanting to be reaching out to the world around us. We want people to feel welcomed and a part of things. And this is a sign of whether we're doing that or not. But what matters is actually that we're doing things well, allowing God to be the one who grows us. Uh, so we want to navigate this well so that Trinity can move forward. Um, just to kind of give you a background, step one, when we first talked about this in 2017, 2018, was identifying the changes that we needed. How do we do more intentionality and in welcoming newcomers? That's, you might remember Shelley was very much spearheading this, and I think that's the greeting team. If you're on it, you are awesome. If you're not, you probably know that they're awesome, but they are just so thoughtful and intentional about kind of welcoming the newcomer, and I think that was a really important step. Um, more structure in children's ministry. I mean, Susan Dudek, she's not here, so I can speak about just how fantastic she is. I am just so impressed by how organized she is, how well she supports the Sunday school leaders. It's been a huge step forward with her. And with Kristen and with Jen Houck, with Nursery and Children's Church, you guys don't realize just how much they do. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so, and, and also greater attention to prayer, you know, that we've been kind of aiming monthly during the Sunday school hour to be praying for this, because whatever we're wanting to see happen, if God is not in it, it won't be what we're really wanting. So that was really kind of where things began in 17 and 18. And then last year, we know the major change as we're seeking to kind of move towards things was this. 
Like, you know, I don't know if you felt kind of the growing pains, but I know for all staff, that's when a lot of the leaders meet together once a month. So much of our time was talking about like problem shooting, troubleshooting when it came to, to the, the change. And I think it's gone well. And I think actually that's been, it's been beneficial for people, but that was really what preoccupied us last year. So I've been encouraged. Um, I, I really do feel like um, we are moving in that direction. It's been interesting. Um, we've been talking about this kind of uh, 200 barrier as elders for the last few years. And even in the last eight months or so, I think as elders, are like, yeah, I'm really seeing some of the things. Tim Keller writes about this shift. And he says, when this shift happens, you'll experience this, 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 and this. And we're like, yep, yep, yep. I mean, like, so it is very much kind of what is anticipated and we're feeling it. And it's actually a healthy sign because I think it's a sign that we're moving in the direction we want to. But it's just helpful to be intentional about it, for us to know this is what's going on. This is kind of why we're making some of these shifts. Um, yeah, in case you're curious, like uh, average attendance, I think last year was 135. Right now it's about 160. So that's like we're moving in the direction that we're wanting to. Okay, so um, let me talk a little bit. So that's all kind of background this year, I'm calling with, this is the, I flipped the page over, the, the gloriously provocative, exciting name is the Year of Infrastructure. I mean, you feel that, don't you? I'm feeling it. Um, so so here's, here's what I mean by that. I am convinced, I think uh, we as elders, probably more than that, actually many of us are convinced that the primary bottleneck that we need to face right now is the way that leadership is done. So if we said initially we needed to kind of shift the way that we're thinking about church, and then we saw this building as a bottleneck, now it's we can't keep doing the way things that we did in terms of leadership structures like we've done before if we want to move forward. Um, so I've already mentioned some of this before. People right now are expected to intuit how to get plugged in and how if they're needing help, like in crisis management, they're supposed to just kind of figure out the system Structures are not obvious or clearly defined. We need to do a better job at figuring out how do we make structures clear, how do we make them articulated so that everyone, whether you've been here for seven years or you've been here for seven days, knows how that works. Um, I think we have an enormous number of hours given by lay leaders to this church. I don't have a bulletin, but if you look at the back of the bulletin, I mean, I've already mentioned some of them. I mean, so much of that bulletin is showing how our church runs on volunteers. Um, so I talked about Jen Houck and, and Kristen O'Rourke, um, Susan Dudek. Um, our bulletins are designed by Jim every week, and he puts a lot of time and does a fantastic job with that. Uh, Ted, he's an assistant pa pastor of missions. He's completely volunteer for us. We're not paying him anything. Um, Becky Vanderveen, churches don't do what we're doing. Having a volunteer treasurer that does what she does so well and so faithfully every year. And I'm terrified because I have no bulletin in front of me and I'm sure there's someone really important that I'm forgetting. If they're on there, I'm telling you, they, I mean, our church is, is run by that. And so here's my fear about that. So many people are doing so much work and they need to be supported well. Uh, what I don't want is us to be the church that everyone gets burnt out so we just chew through volunteers every couple of years. And what that means is we need to have people on staff to make sure that people are supported well, that there's clear structures, that people aren't getting burnt out. So, so they need more support than I think I can provide personally. And I've, I've felt that. I've felt that feeling. Um, leadership also needs to be spread out more. We need more lay leaders. As we continue to grow, it's just a matter of numbers. Just think about community groups. At a certain point, community groups get too large. At a certain point, discipleship group gets too large. At a certain point, 
children's church and nursery each become too big for just one person because it can be so demanding. I mean, if you, as you've noticed, we're kind of bottom heavy when it comes to the age, or I don't know if it's bottom or top, but we have a lot of kids in children's church and nursery, which is awesome, but that means it makes it really demanding. So, so what that means is as God is giving us this growth, it also means we need more lay leaders, and the staff needs to transition to a team leadership model where it's not just everything's kind of funneled through one guy, but through a team supporting lay leaders, supporting structures. Is, am I making sense in terms of the transition, in terms of the bottleneck? If we don't shift this, then people who are in positions of leadership are going to get burnt out and frustrated, and other people are going to feel confused. So some, a couple of the shifts that we have made, um, we've already announced a few weeks ago, uh, Anne, uh, as executive director. I think when the elders were thinking together, this whole point of this executive director position was we need someone who's giving a lot of attention to this specific thing about how we shift in terms of how we do leadership. Um, so two of her key things, and that's an evolving work, is that she provides support and direction for lay leaders so that they're not just kind of on their own, kind of getting frustrated or, or on their own, not having the support that they need. And also that as she, you know, uh, in her work, she can help establish and clarify structures for people becoming plugged in, serving, and also developing into leaders. So that's, that's one key shift because, again, we're kind of moving from the previous model to more of a team-led model is what we're trying to do. Um, any, any questions about that so far? I've got one more kind of shift that I'll talk about in a moment, but I want to make sure people are following me and I'm not being overly confusing. Just a little confusing. Okay, and then also one other uh, addition uh, that we don't even yet have in the bulletin, but I'm really excited about. Um, I said that sometimes people don't even necessarily know where to go for help when they're in different situations of crisis. So if you don't know, Dave Luce has been a deacon for many years in our church and is just very good at that. Um, he also has retired just a couple months ago. And I said, Dave, I know the plans I have for you. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, actually, he was the one who initiated it. He said, hey, he, he wants you know, to continue to serve, and let's talk about it. And, and kind of together, collectively, as we put our heads together, we kind of uh, put this role together, the Director of Congregational Care. Um, we couldn't figure out a good name for it because it's not like he's the single guy who cares for every single member of the congregation. That's not the point. It's more we know that each of us have times of crisis, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's when a, a baby is born. It's a great crisis, but it's a kind of crisis, right? Or maybe it's when some sort of sickness. Or also there might be people who are in the hospital for extended periods of time. And, and we realize that we need to have greater clarity about how we can make sure that we are present. Uh, because in moments like that, the ministry of presence, of, of someone there, someone praying, someone also able to coordinate others being there is really important. And so that's, that's Dave saying, hey, I'd love to do that role. And if you know Dave, that's, like the, this role is kind of designed for Dave, right? I mean, Dave, both himself obviously knowing his way around the hospitals as being uh, um, with his background, but also just where his heart is. Um, so he is excited about it. We're excited. So we're going to be having it on the bulletin beginning next week with kind of his, I think, email and phone number. And just know that if there is ever any kind of situation that you're wanting prayer for or, you're, or you just want to make sure to know he's the guy, that he's going to be the person who kind of is the hub. So that everyone else, all the elders, deacons, and women shepherding team leaders, for example, he will make sure we're all emailed so that we can be knowing about it. But he's going to be the quarterback who helps mobilize our church to make sure that in whatever the situation of crisis or need is, that we can be present either through him or through another deacon or, or, or that situation. And any questions about that kind of new role? Um, 
Okay. So uh, let's, let's talk about one, one other major transition. Um, I don't know if you're wondering what I might be mentioning, but yeah, I guess we're making a change with music ministry. And uh, if you're like me, the moment you start hearing, you know, like, like from the end of the service, um, you're first going, oh, I don't, I don't like this. Oh, this is sad. What in the world are we going to do? Like, that's for me almost immediately what happens next. Okay, so what happens next? So I want to tell you kind of in our planning where we're at at this point. And then I'll invite Brent up, and then we can just kind of answer any questions. And it might be, we don't know yet, but we'll try to give as much information as possible just because we think more transparency is much better than, than confusion. Um, so we're thinking about in terms of short-term and long-term. Short-term is, you know, beginning really on October while Brent's still here, and then until we kind of solve the long-term, maybe through January, maybe through the end of the school year, do we have something? What, what would it look like to make sure that we can keep going okay? I, I keep only half-jokingly say, my threshold is I never want a Sunday where I go, oh, I hope visitors aren't here, right? Like, that's what we don't want. We don't want it feeling like, oh, boy, this, this didn't go so well. And of course, Every, I mean, like, every church will have days like that. But to the degree that we can avoid that, how can we put together a team where we can kind of keep going? Won't be necessarily Brent level, but hopefully pretty good level, right? Um, so we are currently assembling a whole team of people collectively to fill in for Brent. We need someone who's going to be there early in the morning to set up and take down. We need some, you know, someone who can kind of help oversee the, the practicing. Um, someone who can help make sure that like the singing, you know, like the person who's like kind of leading in the singing. We need um, someone who's making sure that the, the team is assembled every week in terms of administratively and that music is printed out. We've kind of done this long checklist. And, and the good news is, we either have someone or we're very close to having someone for each of that checklist. Um, so the plan is that, you know, like we're assembling in September, and then October, while Brent is still here, that team will start kind of acting as if Brent's not here, and Brent's going to be like the safety net, helping make sure that for that month, we're kind of knowing what we're doing, so that when Brent steps away at the end of October, we have a team that feels pretty comfortable with what they're doing and kind of can hold things together musically while we're kind of looking at the more long-term. And then long-term, really there's, there's two options that at least I can conceive of. Um, as you know, Brent's been doing this part-time, and so this could continue to be a part-time position where someone who is just kind of musically gifted is able to kind of do those things that we just identified in that checklist and do those things. Um, if it's part-time, that means we're not going to look, you know, beyond local, right? Because we don't want to ask someone to move from, say, Florida to get here just to do a part-time job. But there are people who are gifted in the area. I mean, we are close to Wheaton. We're close to Moody. There are some people who might be open to a part-time position as they're doing other things. So that's one route that we'll be looking. The other is to be exploring more uh, someone who's a full-time pastor who would, part of what they do would be with their music gifts, but would also have other responsibilities for this church. Um, that would allow us to kind of look more broadly. You know, we can look, you know, people might be willing to move. So, so it, it could be an associate pastor of blank, whatever that is, who also kind of helps out with the music side of things. Those are the two pathways that we're looking. And the reason we want to not foreclose on options is it's more important to us that we get the right person than we name the right role. Like, you know, if we find someone who is fantastic, who only wants to do music, and can do it part-time, great. If we find someone who has to be full-time but has other pastoral gifts, but we really like them, great. We want to make that net wider rather than narrow. 
Um, and that's kind of going to be the, the process that we're going to start exploring down both of those avenues while we're figuring out, while we have kind of like this short-term solution cobbling things together. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. I'm going to ask Brent to come up too, and that way if you have any questions about any of this, and if not, this will be the shortest meeting ever, um, and that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, any questions about Brent's role, his changes, about how we're going to be moving forward, anything about this process, um, as long as you allow us sometimes to say, I don't know, then we'll be happy to try to answer those questions. I overshare, so <laughs> be kind with the questions. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. That's a great question. So it depends on what you mean. He he is not losing his credentials. He will continue to be a pastor, but technically he will be a pastor without call. In other words, he will no longer be on the session. Uh, so actually, what, one of the very last things we'll do in October is there'll be a congregational meeting where we will kind of release Brent from his responsibilities. Yeah, and the answer is because, uh, no, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, good point. So I should say, uh, let, me, uh, let me reiterate, the question that I was answering is, is Brent going to continue to be an associate pastor, and specifically, is he going to be an elder on the session? And, and the answer is no to both of those, that he is, when he is stepping down from this role, he now is going to be still a part of this congregation. As you said, you're still, you know, going to be helping lead a discipleship group, still actively part of a community group, still attending Trinity and seeking the mission of Trinity, but he will not be doing that in the role. I mean, in some ways, it's like you can think of him almost like as an elder emeritus, like uh, right? Thank you. a yeah. really, a really I'm, young I'm and age. hip elder emeritus. <laughs> um, so. so here's the complexity of our polity. So he is no longer a ruling elder. He is a teaching elder. He is ordained as a teaching elder. And so that means for him to be on the session, he would need to be on the session as a pastor at this church. As an associate pastor. As an associate pastor. Yeah, Ted's actually not on the session because he's an assistant. This is, now we're getting into the real weeds yeah. of polity, but that's why we're talking about this. Real juicy. People can be really educated about the <laughs> glorious things of the PCA. So um, the assistant pastor is someone who's called by the elders and is not actually on the session, the elder board. So Ted, is all, he has a standing invitation to always be at our session meeting because we really treasure his input, but technically he's not part of our session. Brent, as an associate pastor called by the congregation, is currently part of that elder board, part of the session. And when he steps down in his role as pastor, that means he's also stepping out of his role on the session. All right, Snapes, I'll let you decide who goes first. Oh, wow, we're really getting into the weeds. So the question is, does, is Brent even a member of our church? And so this is where it gets even weirder. Neither Ted nor Brent are members of Trinity. Sorry. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a member of Trinity. Technically, we are members of our presbytery. In other words, the accountability structure where, for example, if we go through church discipline, there needs to be an accountability structure. And if you think about independent churches, how hard it is to kind of discipline pastors because it's really hard to know what to do. That's why we actually are accountable within a presbytery. And so that's, so, so he will, he, 
will continue to be a member of Presbytery who attends Trinity, but he is not a member of Trinity for that kind of obscure reason. Yeah. <laughs> These are really good questions. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Someone already reached out to me of my availability for children's church. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and nursery. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Set up. He hasn't done set up. Well, actually, you do set up every week. Yeah, now it's just a different up. kind of set up. Yeah. Any, any other questions? Yeah, right. Go ahead and repeat the question. First. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is, is, uh, do we have someone in mind for helping out? Yes, I can talk about that. Oh, like doing the music? Yes, we do have someone... Can I share it? Yeah, well, so are we talking short-term or long-term? Yeah. So he's asking, like, you know, we're talking about long-term replacements. Yeah, we have no idea what long-term. We were just trying to figure out that short-term puzzle, and so I'm happy to share that. Answer so whatever you want. I, I convinced David Barshinger to step in for at least the three months, and he was, like, super grateful. I was super grateful that he said, okay, because um, that's, a, that's a big thing. So he's part of that puzzle to help rehearse and lead the music on Sunday morning, and kind of lead the musicians. Um, we have other things, and like the other responsibilities kind of parsed out, so uh, with different people, but that's kind of the main piece. So thank you. Thank you, <laughs> David, for that. Sue. Yeah, so I think the bulletin production will still happen with Jim and Jeff and the proofreading of all that. I think Jeff said he'd be willing to jump in and help plan some of the services service and, you know, bounce some music ideas or whatever off David to kind of team up on that way. So in Planning Center, that's all kind of fleshed out. I saw other hands. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go too modern. The 90s. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Jim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things. So the question was just kind of what led you well, to this led me decision. to this de- yeah. decision, and this is where I need to be careful not to overshare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how but, long do you have, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. A lot of it is just timing, um, uh, just feeling a little tired. So the reason why I was kind of like holding out 
tool, you know, Jeff's first week back. <laughs> it was like, I, 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 at that time, I realized how important it is to actually get rest. And I kind of had a sabbatical, didn't have a sabbatical, and, and life was just happening really full. So I was like, all right, I think I can hold, hold out the summer until Jeff gets back. And I just felt like the timing was really right. Just kind of listening to my body, listening to God, just like just feeling really tired. And also just the kids are at this really important stage where I want to be emotionally present for them and not just being completely exhausted. So there is some of that as well. Um, and then, you know, a lot of it has been this, I call it the side hustle that's now becoming the hustle, is just getting affirmation from God's people and then people in the marketplace. Like just a lot of affirmation in that. So I was just kind of listening to God's people, God's spirit, my own body, uh, just kind of where the timing is. And um, it, someone else on the session asked that question, like, why not wait a little longer? And I just think at the end of the day, um, my job at Trinity could begin to suffer. My family can begin to suffer. My side hustle, you know, just all that. And I think I just wanted to honor all that and just kind of leave where I feel like I'm not that I don't want to say top of my game, but I feel like I'm in a good place where, because right. I've seen it where pastors get completely burned out and then they just like leave the church, they leave their marriage. You know, like it's just like worst case scenario. I've seen, I mean, I've, I've seen it, I've been in church for a long time, I see it. Not that I was on that. I just, I don't want any of that, right. like any hint of that. So, yeah, that's a great question. Hope I didn't overshare. No, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. Eric. That's a really good question. Um, I think we don't we we haven't necessarily fully exhausted that question yet. So our last session meeting, it was kind of if we do. So let me put it this way: if it were a part-time position, I think it would probably be done where it's the elders in consultation with musicians who, like you know, like making sure, like with Brent and others. If we decide that it be a full-time associate pastor, that's a bigger question that we have to kind of figure out. So I don't have a good answer for you, but I think it's a good question. Um, Please do. Yeah. As a part of that transition, uh, what we're thinking through is what is the infrastructure we need? What is the pastoral staff we need that is going to support Jeff, uh, support the whole church? Right. And so the, the conversation that's going on is not just who's going to replace Jeff, uh, how are we going to conduct, I mean, sorry, Jeff, Brent. <laughs> I hope that wasn't a Freudian Brent, slip. <laughs> Brent, Brent. I'm planning on being here. Uh, it's not just who's going to replace Brent, uh, and it's not just an opportunistic um, question of, well, what person comes to the door it's you know what role do we do we want so the session is still looking at uh what what is the right role uh, mm -hmm. and then once we define that is that then going to be consistent with a full-time pastor who's doing music or is it consistent with a part-time past uh, part-time music person so yep. that bigger question is what's driving Good. the yeah. um the current thinking as we still work through what is the the role that we need that's right Brent. Thomas. 
Right. What a kind question. Yeah. Mm. Do I want me to overshare again? I'm kidding. No. <laughs> That's a really kind question. You know, I think at this stage, I feel like I could just use hugs. <laughs> uh, you know, just because it's like, you know, it's this feels like an out-of-body experience. So just like reassure, like assurance of love and <laughs> all those things. Um, yeah, and continue to pray. Like I, I feel like I have a, a pretty good marriage with Susan. So we, you know, we contend a lot and work out stuff pretty well and uh i i like i hired a business coach to help me think through this stuff well and like so i feel like i've i've gotten some great support and like even like i mean with the o'briens for the past three years they've kind of walked with us on a lot of these things as well and so i think people are aware of us uh and, and our needs but um i think that's a great question and you know there, there might be more needs and i feel like susan and i are pretty good at asking for help maybe i think so okay just also I, honestly i think you're keep doing what you're doing for me in terms of uh like i mean you guys your this church generously gave me a sabbatical which was perfect timing for me it was really valuable for me in terms of being able to step back see things because when you're in the middle of things it's kind of easy to kind of like lose sight of stuff i don't I don't think I feel a pressure from this congregation to be someone I'm not. I feel like you guys are allowing me to be, you know, my kind of quirky self. And you, I think probably by now, if you've been here for a while, you know where my strengths are, you know where my weaknesses. And I think the key right now, and this is part of the infrastructure, is I think it is better for the church and it will be better for me the more that we can have me doing the things that I'm good at and the more that we're being able to find a team surrounding me that can kind of offset. And I feel the support. Like, I feel elders are wanting to see that. So... I don't really have any, like, I think, I think usually when you see that kind of burnout, it's because there are pastors who feel the need to be more than they can be, and as Brent was saying, listening to his own body are not recognizing the need for rest or whatnot. I'm not saying that I don't ever have problems with that. I'm sure I do, but I feel like you guys are pretty respectful about my day off. I, like, I have not felt, and I haven't felt like you're just assuming that I'm going to always be on for everyone. So I actually feel like I have a fantastic position. Like, I think you, this church has been really good at caring for me. And so just continuing to do that, I think, is the, is the and, you know, and, and praying for me. I think Brent said it right. I am convinced every year all the more how important that actually is. Mm. Um, yeah. Thank you. Sure. So, uh, so last year we were averaging around 135. What's the average attendance? Uh, sorry, what's we... the average attendance? Last year was around 135. I mean, early in the year. By the second half of the year, it was starting to get up. The um, spring, it was like high 150s. Summer, everything is different because you know we know how summer is. Like you know, we saw bales of hay kind of going down the aisle in the summer <laughs> here uh, as it goes down. Because um, I wasn't there. Yeah, I was just like, kidding. I'm totally. How did you know about hay? <laughs> <laughs> um, but and so and then the uh, so far it's been like closer to 170 the last few weeks. Um, so uh, I, I, if you wanted to say what what I'd like it to be at, we're kind of right where I'm hoping that we would be at. But again, for me, that's more of an indicator of. Are we doing a good job of continuing to make that transition so that when people come and visit, they don't feel frustrated? And I, and I, think, I think it's a sign that we are making those changes that we need to. Yeah. Tira. 
<laughs> oh, this is a great question. So we are in a better situation financially than we have ever been in. Um, when you say like in terms of like, I mean, Tom's like, <laughs> don't say that he's saying because now people are going to stop giving. So please continue to do what you're doing. What I want to say is that normally we are at a place where um, expenses are here and giving is here and we plan on that because in December it goes like this. And so December kind of like catches up and we find ourselves in the black at the end, but for those months that we're just like holding our breath. We're not in that place right now, which is a, a blessing, and it's a sign of people's ongoing generosity. I don't know, Tom, if you want to kind of correct that or if you feel like that's a fair way of saying things, but in terms of just people's consistency, there's, we've had a more consistent summer of giving than I can remember ever having before. Is that a fair way of putting it? Or Tom is trying to figure out how can I make it sound different? <laughs> I th well, let me, Tom, you usually have an announcement around this time where you says, hey, everyone, please continue to think about giving. And you haven't announced that. <laughs> but maybe this is a great opportunity. I've been away for several weeks. Um, this would be a great time to catch up on your summer giving. <laughs> um, no, actually, what Jeff said, and, and I, I, I'm, he's working me out of a job, which is fantastic. <laughs> this could be my last financial update. Um, no, we, we are at a place we haven't been at this stage coming out of the summer before. It's, uh, I don't know if it's, you know, changes to electronic giving that uh, have, have made giving more consistent over the course of the year. I'm not sure. I, it's, uh, trends are too early to tell, but we are, um, uh, in fact, our giving is running almost even with our expenses, which is unheard of at this time of the year. Right. And the reason this is actually so important, and the reason why I do mean, uh, sorry, if you want to give me two mics, I suppose you can, um, is as we are talking about the future, remember Brent is a part-time pastor, but we're wanting to be able to consider the possibility of getting a full-time pastor. That's obviously going to be an increase in, in spending. And the good news is, with this increase in giving, that's giving us more options. So I feel like God is kind of been paving the way for this transition even before we necessarily knew that was going to take place. Um, and so I, I wanted to say, for those of you who have been faithful in giving, uh, we, that has been a tremendous gift to those of us in leadership who are looking at the numbers, and please continue. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Is that good? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I have, so th there, there's a bit of a mystery with that because they've been without a senior pastor from June until last week. And so there's been less kind of contact. And of course, I was gone in the summer. So there's been less updates. I did talk to the associate pastor and he continues to be very welcoming. I, I have not heard any negative feedback and I'm going to reach out to the new senior pastor soon to make sure that we continue to have good communication. But so far, I have not sensed any concerns or eagerness to, to move us out of this place. Um, our, our lease goes for at least another year, and I think it's going to continue on beyond that. There's been lots of people that I've run into the, in, the, in town who belong to this church, and I would mention that we rent and we love it, and they've always been like, I hope we're good landlords. I hope we're doing okay. Like, they, I think they really like us yes. here, too, and they've, even just their own people are hoping that they're doing a good job <laughs> this year. Other other thoughts or questions? I guess we're, we're right at 12. 
but we'll still be around if anyone wants to come up after asking more questions. I'd like, if Tom, if you mind, if you mind kind of closing us. Um, Thanks. Um, I just want to say a few words for Brent. I'll probably lose it. So, <laughs> um, just over 12 years ago, I think it was, right? We had our uh, interview. You came to the Bones house, uh, and we interviewed you. It was the most interesting interview I ever had. Brent came in with stacks of paper, and um, he, he gave us a little lecture, uh, and basically told us what his vision was for worship, how to order worship. Um, and we hired him. Um, and you've been instrumental in structuring how we do worship. Uh, obviously, we agree with you, it, it fits what we believe, um, but uh, what you've done here in creating our worship service has been uh, phenomenal. And we thank you for that. <clears throat> Several years ago, you were thinking of going to seminary. You were going to move to St. Louis, and you talked to us about that. And uh, we, you know, we prayed about it and for vision. Secretly, we were praying for something to happen that would keep you here. And, and what do you know? The swimming pool falls off his condo building, making his building unable to be sold. And Brent stayed with us. Um, so I'm not sure what to pray now for. Do you have a pool? <laughs> oh, well, but you're not moving. <sighs> Got to keep thinking about this. Um, then maybe about three years ago, you came to talk to me one day, and, and, and we're talking about um, the new business things. Um, and uh, you had an excitement, uh, this entrepreneurial spirit, and you were just, um, I could see that in you, right? It was a side of you that was coming out. I regret to this day telling you that I saw that. Um, so, but uh, you can see the people here appreciate you. Um, it's been an absolute joy to work with you these fast. I'm going to lose it. So thank you. I'm supposed to close in prayer. I'm going to try. Would you please pray with me? Father, uh, nothing is hidden from you. Everything is in your hands, and you are a God who is extraordinarily generous. Lord, you have been generous to us in providing us with Brent and Susan and their gifts, and, and you're generous in the fact that we are not saying goodbye to them, that they continue to be an important part of this church. Um, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are constantly taking care of us. And Lord, you know how even though you are so faithful to us, it is easy for us when we're looking at the future to fear that maybe this time you won't and we realize that's foolishness. And so we pray that you would give us a confidence in your faithfulness, uh, that you would help us to look not with fear but with expectation to see what you will do. Uh, we do pray that you would um, bring great fruit through the work that Brent is going to be continuing to do. And we do pray that you would bring to our congregation that right person that will help continue to move us forward as we seek to more and more be the people you have created us to be. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.